I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, it's, it's my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete, and I'm your host of Too Deep, along with my boy Sam Jesse here. I got him in the camera. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll also notice we have a third co-host today, and that is from Tales of the Terror Dome podcast, Dan. Dan the man, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. You've had me on your podcast a couple times, and uh, I have to repay the favor. Plus, uh, you know, you do a really good job with this, so I think you'll be a big value add to this episode. We're going to cover a lot of different aspects, uh, including the Super Bowl. uh, Not too much on that, just a little bit of reaction. Coaching carousel, the two early top 25 rankings I want to talk about with you guys from 247, and of course, our basketball teams. But first, Sam, why don't you give us a cheers? Well, uh, like you said, last night was the Super Bowl. Dan and myself, we won some bets, lost some bets, but that's okay. So the first part of this cheers is to a phenomenal 2023 football season for both college and pro. A lot of fun games, some great storylines. So cheers to that. Cheers. And a second cheers to pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training today. (laughs) The guards are terrible, but we keep the faith. The guards. Hey, oh man! Here. Cheers to that. Spring has is starting to sp- sprung. Spring Spring has I don't sprung. Know. Go Cubs, go baby! <laughs> My how the turntables have turned. Uh, I did actually go to a Cubs spring training game in out in Arizona a couple years ago, and it was awesome. The stadium was so cool. The weather was perfect. Uh, had a blast. I just learned that you were a Cubs fan. I think you mentioned it on one of your recent shows, Dan. Yeah. So my mom <laughs> she moved to Florida. And she's like, we're outside of St. Pete and Tampa. So there's all sorts of spring training down there. But I was like, you should have went to Arizona. Because then I could have <laughs> just like, you know, free room and board, go watch the Cubs as much as I want. But, you know, some people are selfish. Some people are selfless. <laughs> I hear that. So did the Super Bowl winner for you guys turn out to be what you were expecting? I thought the Chiefs were going to win the game. I wanted the 49ers to win just because I'm kind of tired of the Mahomes-Kelsey saga type stuff. But – they they still came out on top. And when you have the better coach and the better quarterback, I guess that's normally how it goes. It's crazy. Like the 49ers played so much better, but they just couldn't get the ball in the end zone. And you can't beat Patrick Mahomes with three points. Yeah. And I mean, he is, I, I would say in my lifetime, he and LeBron James, maybe Steph Curry, are like the most inevitable athletes of all time. Like there is no big moment that they don't show up in. And 
Well, I guess LeBron definitely has had some big moments that he didn't show up in, but for the most part, yeah. Like, I, I mean, the guy just Peep he, he didn't play well, and he passed for like three hundred and thirty yards. Right. It's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, they deserve it. They deserve it. Like, I think in terms of advanced stats and, and the DVOA, I don't know if people know that, but they had the hardest road to a Super Bowl of any team in NFL history. Wait, for no real? Team. Yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, think about who they had to play. They they played the Dolphins. Yeah. They played the Ravens. They played Buffalo. the Bills. Yeah. Okay. Ravens and Bills on the road. And then yeah. they played the Niners. <laughs> yeah. And the Niners had a very good regular season and then not the strongest playoffs. Like they weren't looking like the same team to me in the playoffs that they were for a, a large portion of the regular season, but they were a good team. With a lot yeah. of high high caliber players, Dan, did it go like you expected? Were you, were you thinking Mahomes is going to pull it out? As a Broncos fan, I've seen this a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when the Niners basically sold for the first twenty minutes of the game, I kind of had a feeling. I was like, you know what? They're probably gonna. It's probably gonna piss me off. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened, man. It seems like. Every time Kyle Shanahan gets a lead, he like wants to put the foot on the gas, but the foot on the gas is not having your quarterback who's capable of winning a championship out duel the best quarterback in football. Like right. Christian McCaffrey was like he was balling, sorta. Of. I mean, he had the fumble, which cost him points, but like Overall, like I felt like it could have been more balanced to it. It was like almost they completely went away from the run game, and then when they came back to it, like Kansas City had kind of figured it out. And yeah. I feel like Dre Greenlaw getting hurt really made a bigger difference than people think. Also, Debo and George Kittle being hurt, like yeah, that just hurt it because then it was basically just Christian McCaffrey, and then they could just kind of box cover Ayuk. That's why Juwan Jennings had such a good game. Is because everyone was focused on Ayuk in the secondary. Right. Uh, I, yeah, kind of an unfortunate game for the Niners, but also the Chiefs deserved every bit of this Super Bowl. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy to to do it like as many times as they've done it uh, in a row, and you see it in the regular season that maybe revving it back up for the regular season, especially with the deficiencies at wide receiver that they had is, is challenging. But once they got in the playoffs, that was like a completely different team focused and ready. And they, they, they took it to them and got another one. Well, Sam and I uh, had an exchange on Twitter last night, just from some of the extracurriculars of the game. We had Usher halftime show sweating like a pig up there, but he, he did his thing, had his shirt off, still looks good at his, his advanced age and uh, brought us some hits. Ludacris came out, but <laughs> there was a comment in there where I had tweeted like, oh, Reba's looking good. And I put it out on Twitter and Sam uh, appropriately bonked me. But I said to him, I had had like, I don't know, six or seven IPAs at that point. Even like early in the game, I was out with my buddies in Arlington all day. And I was like, I think I was trying to text my wife that because she's a big Reba fan. And she does look good for her age. But <laughs> no, no, don't. I mean, don't sweat it. Reba looked good. Reba looked good up there. Huge, huge year for um the the icons of female country music with Dolly Parton uh with the Cowboys game, Reba singing the national anthem. Yeah. Yeah, that Dolly outfit got a lot of commentary when that when that happened earlier in the year. Uh let's talk a little bit about this coaching carousel. <laughs> Sam, we mentioned 
Bill O'Brien as a name for Boston College, and that happened. So his two-week stint at Ohio State is is done. <laughs> Ohio State legend Bill O'Brien. But I think yeah. that's a really good fit for BC. Dan, did you have any reaction to that? Do you think that's a that's a nice get for BC? I mean, I felt like it's probably the best they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't feel one way or another about Bill O'Brien. I do think he's going to springboard if he has a couple good years. There's going to be another job he's going to take. It. That's just the reality of Boston College. Yeah. In my opinion. Uh, but, I mean, sure. You know? <laughs> you know what's funny about that is to fill his shoes, Chip Kelly comes over from UCLA to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, and Bill O'Brien kind of left that same very cushy gig who like, you're, you're going to be, have all those athletes to work with chips going to, it's kind of perfect for the quarterback that he has and Will Howard and the running game they're going to have. And Bill O'Brien decides to do the exact opposite and go to a very difficult head coaching challenge at BC. It's kind of funny to see those two mentalities. And I know people say that like chip, was a lame duck at UCLA. Like they were probably going to fire him regardless this upcoming season. And it was a tough schedule for him. But Sam, what do you think? Isn't that kind of weird how like Bill O'Brien chooses the challenge and Chip Kelly runs from the challenge? Well, you know, in the same way that Halfley was on the hot seat at Boston college and things didn't look good. I mean, Chip Kelly was on the hot seat big time at UCLA. Like they wanted him out of there. The athletic department just couldn't afford to fire him because of his contract. So he he kind of needed to get out of there. It was going to be tougher playing in the Big Ten. He just lost his star quarterback recruit. Like th- things were not going well for Chip Kelly. So I see that move for him from UCLA to Ohio State. Um, he's also kind of a little bit more up there in age than most people think. So if he doesn't want to mess around with trying to rebuild this program and rebuild his image at a school that is kind of a dumpster fire financially in the athletic department. Good for him. Go be the OC at Ohio State. As for Bill O'Brien going to Boston College, I think he just wanted to be the head coach somewhere, and it doesn't come around all the time. I think it's a great hire for Boston College simply because of the aura that it brings. An NFL guy coached at Penn State, has coached at Alabama. He's a well-respected offensive coach. He's just not a well-respected roster manager. So I'm curious to see how that goes with a program that you need to develop guys at. But like Dan said, correct, I don't think he's going to be there that long. Yeah. So for Boston College, the good news, and I was chatting with AJ Black, who does uh, Eagles Insider, Locked On BC, awesome guy. He was saying, look, this is a, a fundraising juggernaut. You get a lot of interest in the program nationally. Donors are going to be involved in this. So I think for BC... It's a little bit of a uh, like an electric factory happening up there. They're a little excited for it. I don't think they're going to be a very good team under Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien. I think they're going to probably be six, seven wins a year, maybe a little bit better in year three or four. But at least they'll have some national media attention that they wouldn't have had with Jeff Halfley. Like it, it wasn't going to get any better with Halfley. We talked about that in the last pod. Yeah, I I'm with you on that and. It's kind of funny how that can work too. Like he was a guy when there was rumors that tech was going to hire Bill O'Brien, like that hit the message boards when we were looking for a coach and people like were not happy. Like we know, <laughs> go ahead. I would have been okay with it. Actually, I would have <laughs> been okay with it. I think he, I, we could have done worse. Yeah. We could no, have done worse. <clears throat> I mean, but I think one thing with Bill O'Brien too is he, 
is really respected for his X's and O's, and then everyone dislikes him for every other part of the coaching. And I don't think it's because he's like Bill O'Brien, the person. It just seems to be like he's not good at being a general manager. Like we saw the debacle with the Texans, um, even with Alabama. Like we saw the debacle with that wide receiver room where he took in all their talent and then like didn't build that wide receiver room up at all. He somehow still managed to get Bryce Young to be the number one overall pick. But yes, yes so I did. think there's there's a lot of red flags with Bill O'Brien. Like unless he's given Deshaun Watson or unless he's given Bryce Young to be determined. But he did do a good job at Penn State under unreasonably difficult expectations and circumstances. Absolutely. But the game has changed quite a bit. The, the since game has changed at, at, at Penn State. And so we'll see if he does a good job. I do think it's about as good as they could do. And it does give that that donor excitement that BC desperately needs and, and to get back engaged on the football side of things. Because Halfley's tenure, while it started off hot and like people were excited about him, it quickly went the other way. Another tidbit, I, if you remember ahead. where Penn State got him from, him going back to Boston, him going to Boston College makes a little sense. Oh, he's yeah, with, that's he's right. He's with the Patriots. That's right. That's so right. it's kind of like home. So I guess if he was going to like – he was like, oh, yeah, Boston College, kind of a terrible spot to be in. But at the same time, like, I don't know. He's kind of home. So That makes – you know what, Dan? That actually gives me a little bit more clarity on my first question about the chip and the, and the Bob uh, opposite thing there. But I also framed it like that with chip because I just don't like chip Kelly. He, he, he cut Deshaun Jackson. He traded shady in his prime. He ran the Eagles into the ground and the very next coach that came in after him and rectified it, won us a super bowl. The coach before him was Andy Reid, who took us to super bowl and hit the two coaches that surrounded him in San Fran took the teams to super bowls. So I don't know how good of a coach chip Kelly is anymore. And he ran, from his situation to a much better situation. Because if he ever wants to be a head coach in the NFL, the best place he can be is Ohio State offensive coordinator for next year because that team is loaded up and they have a really good shot to win the Natty. Yeah, they paid for it for sure. (laughs) No doubt. I'll tell you, I I told you this, P, in the chat. I was truly, truly happy when Chip Kelly was running the quack attack at Oregon. Uh, Dennis Dixon and those guys. That was a a beautiful, beautiful time in college football. It was. and. And he he was great. He was ahead of his time and what he did yeah. with up-tempo stuff. Uh, he did a lot of innovative things and the way he chose his athletes to uh, to fill out his roster, and it worked. And we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, and he did okay at UCLA. He never won 10 games and, you know, never won the, the Pac-12 or anything. But we'll see what he does at Ohio State because I think Ohio State's going to be really damn good next year. We added a football staff member this week, you guys. I don't know if you realize that, but we added – Brandon Hall, and he is he's kind of a long title. He's the executive associate AD and the athletics chief financial officer. He comes over from Clemson. So he is Virginia Tech CFO. Uh, and this role, I guess, is to take a little bit off of Witt's plate for maybe contract negotiations and things like that. Yeah. Do you have any I, insight on that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't have any insight on it, inside information at all. Um, but in this new age of college football, that's probably your second most important position. I would say that in your head coach. Yeah. Um, just seems like Virginia Tech is going to need to get uh, really creative and really smart with financials in the near future. 
I, I don't. We remain in the ACC under this contract. Yes, that that's in which Clemson Clemson was. Uh, I don't know how much he had to do with it. I think they had the, the whole Ipte thing they had for a while, but Clemson kind of became a you know fiscal juggernaut kind of out of nowhere. So he he might have a little bit of that magic with him. And it seemed I think he's a Christiansburg guy too. So he he mm-hmm. kind of returns to the New River Valley was the way the Hokie Sports tweet came out. Dan, that sounds like a guy you might have to get on your show at some point. <laughs> might have to. Maybe he'll start a church like Dabo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and fund us. That's right. Well, let's get to something fun here, man. The the 247 way too early top 25 came out today. That went that hit the Twitter and or X I should say. And VT was in the top 25, and I'm going to pull it up, put it up on the screen for you guys. And there's a couple things that I noticed about this. One, you can see my note right on the screen. Six ACC teams are ranked. You have Miami at number 12. That's the, the highest. So we don't have any top 10 teams, but six total teams from 12 to 23. Miami, Clemson at 15, Florida State at 18, Louisville at 20, NC State at 21, and Virginia Tech comes in at number 23. And I do think uh, that's – Pretty spot on for all of those teams. It's kind of surprising to see Miami as the first team in the ACC. What do you, what are your thoughts on that, Sam? Ooh, should I start it towards the top or start towards where Virginia Tech is? <laughs> you can go however you feel, man. <laughs> okay, the the first line up there. Yeah, that makes sense. Ole Miss is going to be really good. Oregon's going to be really good. Texas, um, they lost. Texas lost a lot. They lost almost seventy eight percent of their offensive production or something like that. So I, I think people are thinking Arch Manning can play quarterback at the same time as Quinn Ewers. Can't do that. <laughs> uh, Georgia and Ohio State are on a collision course. The second line there, Bama and Michigan, they lose a lot. Coaching turnovers. Those are big question marks, but I think their rosters are just so stacked. Missouri's going to be good. Uh, they do lose a lot on defense. Notre Dame is going to be better. I think Riley Leonard is a better quarterback than Sam Hartman. Um, Sam Hartman, massive system quarterback, apparently. Penn State's Penn State, Tennessee, whatever. Miami. I, I mean, why? Do, why okay. do you think Miami shoots to the top of the ACC rankings for two four seven? I mean, their entire offensive and defensive line should play in the NFL. Like how they they should be. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, Cam Ward is okay, but he can also suck. Um, yeah, he was. He was. Good. I, obviously, he's a good quarterback. He had a lot of teams hunting him this this season, uh, this off season. But I don't think he's like the second coming or anything. Like this, I, I think he's going to be solid. And Mario is building out those those lines, and that's what he does. That's what he was known for at Oregon. And what can hold Miami back though is everything that Mario does during the season. In the off season, Mario is a killer. <laughs> you know, he recruits. He can get everyone like in the right mind frame and, and ready to go. But on game day, we have seen him screw up countless times at multiple locations. And it's not like they lose to good teams. I mean, they, they like they lose to decent to bad teams every year. So it's, it's really weird. LSU in Oklahoma. Um, again, I think there's just so much talent on those rosters. Oklahoma should be a little bit better defensively in year three of Venables. LSU, uh, they're just going to be stupid talented like they always are. Clemson's defense should get better. Utah is is a sleeper playoff pick. I know I'm a big Utes guy, but <laughs> they they're they have so much back from injury. They're going to look really good. And then after that, like yeah. I 18 through 24, 
you could put those teams in anywhere. Like well, I think Washington State, coming in at twenty five, like as a complete <laughs> unknown. Like they, no, there's no like, way. Nobody there's knows no anything. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna make a bowl game. I'm gonna be straight right. up. I don't right. know if they're gonna make a bowl game. Um Florida State could be higher. Um, but they're a huge unknown too. I mean they're yeah, they're their team's they're, getting kind of overhauled. Yeah, but, but they just brought in a bunch of Alabama guys too. That's true. That's true. Louisville has a completely new roster again. Yeah, I mean, that 18 through 24, you could even throw in a team like Boise State. Uh, Tulane did really well in, in the portal this year and retained some guys. So, yeah, it's funny because Louisville, they, again, heavy hitters in the portal, not many high school recruits in their class coming in. And we are the exact opposite, right? Like we are bringing back all of our studs and not many high school guys. And we're very, very close. I'm very curious how Brahms year two goes there because clearly he had a very nice year one. But with how many new guys he's bringing in yet again, it's not a redo of year one because his system's in place and whatnot. But it, there could be some bumps in the road for Louisville. And so I, I don't know. I, I wasn't a believer last year, and I kind of got that thrown in my face when they made the ACC title game. But um, but yeah, that that the last few rankings there are are kind of crazy and they could go any which way dan what's your reaction to us being at number 23 do you feel like that's right should we be higher or not ranked or what i wouldn't say we should be higher uh we haven't proven that we should be yet um i mean we we finished last year very very strong Mm -hmm. uh we returned so many people so i understand hopefully uh it doesn't diminish the chip on the shoulder keeps it keeps it strong uh 23 feels if we were going to be ranked, it feels appropriate. I'll be honest. Like I'm, I'm. I mean, it'd be nice to be ranked again. To be honest, uh, exactly. I didn't, I didn't expect to be, but uh, we have become a media darling. It seems as people are in are in love with the Virginia Tech. It's happening uh, quick, re- right? Reemergence, like, yeah. And people, it's just I nice to be included. It is, and this is not the AP. Yeah. This is just one publication, and they're two twenty top early i can't talk but you got the idea early top 25 <laughs> and uh we'll see what happens when the ap poll comes up and some people are like i don't want to be ranked like dan just said because you want that chip on the shoulder you want guys to like be motivated like, hey we should be ranked let's go out and kick vanderbilt's butt whatever uh but some of that stuff's overblown ultimately you want your team to be ranked having your team ranked in the ap you're in more articles you can use it in recruiting the following year. We were ranked for five weeks last year. Like Dabble used to say that crap all the time. Like we've been ranked for 200 straight weeks or whatever they were. Um, so yes, that's what we want. And hopefully when the AP comes out, we do come in. And I think that's right. Like us and NC state, um, I think that's where they're going to be. And those us, our two teams are similar. Like we're very similar teams next year. And I think we're going to be better than NC state, but we didn't show it on the field this past year. <laughs> I also think that even no matter where we're ranked or if we're ranked, that Brent Pride does a good job of not letting the team uh, get too soaked into it, whether it be positive or negative. So mm-hmm. I feel like we'll we'll stay locked in. Yeah. Do you guys notice I, that of the top ten teams that they're all SEC, Big Ten, and Notre Dame? <laughs> Notre Dame's just getting the Notre Dame. Shoot, look at the look opinion. at the next line. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Mizzou's yeah. going to be good, dude. I Couple think Drinkwitz or whatever his name is is good. I think he's a good coach. So I guess we'll see. But and as far as Texas goes, I mean, they lost a lot offensively. But if I trust anybody to reload on offense, it's Sark. 
I don't know about the whole overall production of Texas, but offensively, I feel like they're going to be just fine. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Well, that was fun from a little bit of a national perspective there. Talk a little bit about the Hokies ranking and getting a little bit more cred on the national scene going into this upcoming year. But I want to talk about the recruiting that just happened because National Signing Day was on Wednesday last week. Not that anyone cares because we didn't really bring in anybody new uh, other than those PWOs me and Sam talked about on the last show. But as soon as that was over, we started awaiting these commitments for 2025. And we got two of them on Friday. Athlete slash wide receiver Jaden Anderson committed and cornerback Knowledge Harrell committed. Knowledge spelled a way that I could have never envisioned it being spelled, but it's pretty, it's a pretty cool name. And these guys are uh, 87. I think Jaden has a ranking in the composite and he's about number 500 overall in the country. So he's a very good recruit. That was from Fontel Mines, brought him in. Auburn offer, Florida offer. I'm going off his 247 list. Georgia offer, Miami. Duke, BC, West Virginia, South Carolina. That's a, I mean, if you got that Georgia offer sitting there, like I was checking, I was like, does that say yes next to the offer? And it, it did. Um, that's a huge pickup. Sam, what did you think about bringing in him and Harold, who's an 86 on 247, but doesn't have a ranking yet? It's kind of crazy that like Green Run High School has three Virginia Tech, like good Virginia Tech recruits. Green Run is historically not a very good football program. And it's one of the smaller districts down here in Virginia Beach. It's really only like two big neighborhoods that feed into one high school. So it's kind of crazy that in two classes, you're going to get three players from there. Uh, but they've been because yeah, he's Keelan Adams really is good. also from Green Run for those that don't know. Yes. Yeah. Four star wide receiver Keelan Adams. Uh, I mean, it's it's great to be setting up that pipeline. I mean, they feel like this is a school that's going to continue to have good athletes and guys who are Virginia Tech caliber players, and they're developing that relationship. And I think that's great. Um, on the other hand, it is early February of 2024, and we have over a year until these guys will be even maybe practicing. So in this day and age, for me, it's – I take a, a social media commitment as meaning their number one right now is Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, and that's that's nothing against the, the athletes. It's just kind of the reality of high school recruiting. So good for Virginia Tech that they have some guys in the boat, but we haven't we haven't left the dock yet whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I would say that having a friend in Keelan Adams, I assume that they're at least a little bit friendly if they were teammates who's they've seen his recruitment process and him choose Virginia tech. As long as he enjoys his year, this upcoming year, like we, those guys should, should follow Dan. I think you've struck up a friendship with Keelan's father uh, throughout the, over the past year or whatever. Has he ever mentioned any of these, these other kids coming in? And if, if he feels like they will be good Hokies. Uh, he's pretty excited about him. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, Jay, he um, you know, he was Keelan's counterpart last year, and he had, their quarterback at Green Run isn't the best. I don't think. I think there were some chemistry issues, but I mean, Jaden or whatever still excelled. I mean, he had what fifteen tutties. Yeah, he was he was twelve hundred yards, and that's with Keelan on the other side. So, uh, great athlete. Um, and then knowledge is uh, also. I mean, he was excited about both of them. I, yeah. We didn't talk about it until after I got they you. committed. I mean, even if you had like an inkling, like he was, he's like, man, you know, 
can't say anything. It's their moment. It. It's their moment. I wasn't even going to pry. I just, no pun intended, but like, <laughs> I just, you know, but yeah, um, I, he's excited about him. He likes, he thinks they're great kids, uh, which would be in line with what tech's been recruiting as far as like character goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what Pry's big on. He's big on getting those, uh, those team captains and, and guys that have, you know, good, good heads on their shoulders. What are you going to say, Sam? Uh, they have really cool uniforms. That's it. Green run, <laughs> those those green run, run uniforms are, are nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, pretty, nice. they're pretty sick. I'm I'm a fan of football teams with green in them. So I, I like yeah. that. Yeah. My uh, high school was green. <laughs> let's move to uh, women's hoops. And, and I just to finish the thought on the 2025 class. Yes, it is far away, but it is nice to see us get going in this cycle early and get some guys. Cause before we know it, it's going to be June. And so you got to start getting your class. going. we have four kids in this class. Now they all seem like, Definitely top 1,000 kids when it's all said and done, which I know that might sound like a big number, but like when Fuentia was here, we didn't always get top 1,000 kids. Like this, and getting a number 500 and Fontel Mines being the guy for, I think Jones was the secondary recruiter on knowledge, but Fontel Mines was involved with both of these kids, and that guy just continues to do work. Uh, women's hoops, guys. Huge win last week on Thursday. We beat NC State and we moved up to number. 12 in this week's AP poll. They were number three last week. So this week, NC State drops to number six, and we only move up to number 12. I want to go back to that ranking in a minute after we just talk about the game for a second. We came out on fire in that third quarter because it was a very tight game down in Raleigh. And then we got up by about 10 and just kept them at an arm's length. I think we hit five threes in the third quarter. Both Kitley and Amor had double doubles. Georgia was two rebounds away from a triple double. Uh, and there were four Hokies in double figures. So that game, I was shocked we were able to go down there and just like really take it to him. Sam, did you get eyes on the game or just uh, read it about it afterwards? Uh, I actually was able to watch it on the Peloton, which is a cool new feature that Peloton has. <laughs> oh, they have YouTube TV on the Peloton YouTube TV yeah. to it. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, first off, like I said, Reynolds Coliseum is awesome. It's such a cool place. We had two riders out there. Um, covering the game for us. Awesome, awesome environment. I mean, they at the beginning of the year, and Pete, I think like the first podcast I did this year with you, I was saying, like, yeah, it just it doesn't seem like they have that big game mentality this year. Like the LSU game, the Iowa game, they just kind of seemed frazzled. They seemed a little bit slower. That is not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Look at how they played uh, you know, against you know, how they've played, I mean, Syracuse, Carolina. It's been a tough State, schedule. NC State twice. Like, it's an insane schedule. They still outplay Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they feel like they're finding their groove right now. I will say, I think I think Kenny Brooks is going to think about maybe, you know, maybe Georgia and Liz can, you know, take a seat for a few extra minutes <laughs> in the next few games here because they're going to get a high seed in the tourney. Um, they're going to be one of the top few seeds in the ACC. Uh, Liz looked like she went to war in the last game against Boston College. Like that look, that was brutal. So that was that game. Good. Yeah, let's let's touch on that game quickly. And I want to get some of Dan's reaction. They yeah. beat BAC on Sunday for their seventh win in a row. They did not shoot the ball particularly well, but they moved it well. They had 17 assists. We out rebounded BC by quite a bit, but it was 50 points from Amor and Kitley. Like they they carried us. King and Eck were not good. It was maybe their 
two individually worst games of the season. I don't know. Tough game from those girls, but our studs carried us. We got the win, and it was a classic letdown spot coming off that giant win against NC State. And even on a night that they didn't have it, they managed to just win the game. BC is not a good team. Whatever. They they won the game. We are first place in the best conference in college basketball, women's college basketball. And so there are five teams in the top 20 from the ACC. And what annoys me, Dan, is that, you know, we, we get two wins over NC State. They're still ranked six spots ahead of us. And I feel like if you are the best team in the first first place in the ACC, like that team should be in contention for a one seed. And right now sitting at 12, I'm worried that they're not, they're not in that conversation. All I'm going to say is number five, number 33, hang the banners, build the statues, <laughs> you know, uh, regardless out, man, special. I think all we're witnessing is insane. The way they've been filling up castle. I've been beating that drum for a long time to, to get the crowds that the men were getting, uh, you know, I think um, I feel like they go on a run. Maybe maybe we'll be able to. I would love to host again. You know, yeah. that was so much fun last year. But I think that Kenny did a good job of retooling kind of what we lost last year a little bit. I mean, Olivia is amazing, dude. Like she just like she did, like her stats sometimes they show she was up grabbing big. boards. Yeah, yeah. She much like she's just all over the place. All mm-hmm. over the place. It's it's ridiculous. Like she remind like not Dennis Rodman, but like those nineties Bulls teams where he was just like Mr. Elbow Grease, like just mm-hmm. like doing all the stuff that you like that doesn't get talked about. Like she's high energy all the time. Like uh, I think uh Strock's gonna be awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I I mean Kenny's just so cool, dude. Like he is cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the women's team, man. Like there's something special about about what they're doing, and, and I, the I engagement people, from our yeah. fans has been fantastic. Like, did you you were in Blacksburg this past weekend, right? Did you go to the game? No, only because there would have been too short of a turnaround to get home for the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, okay, I got you. I got you. Um, maybe maybe you caught some of uh, some of it on the radio or something or on the app, but that uh, I did think. They are really like you have to soak in these last couple games, as you said, because their senior nights coming up. I think I got it written down here. They're playing what the 25th against UNC. That's senior night in Blacksburg. But there's Duke at home on Thursday, then Louisville this weekend. And then we end with two games on the road. So it's 225 against UNC unless we end up hosting games, uh, you know, in the tournament. So. If you're around or close to Blacksburg, make sure you you try and go to these last couple women's games because we we may never see anything like this again. And I'm just hoping we can get uh, Georgia Amor back again. I'll, I'll tell you what though, they they have some recruits coming in. Yeah, like they're not. He's building a program. They have some and high like top thirty, top forty recruits in the country Whew. coming in next year. So I he's building a program, man. Like he's not resting on having two superstars. Yeah, that that's that's wonderful to hear. And if we could get another year of, of Georgia and keep this run going, uh, it would be it would be fantastic. But let's talk a little bit about where they're at and how this season might play out, and then we'll do men's, and then we're going to get to some questions for Dan. They're 18th in the net right now. Are the women? They actually dropped two spots after BC because BC is so bad. And there's a lot of teams jammed up at the top of the net rankings in the women's rankings. Like there's, there's a lot of teams with like three losses or two losses. There's just so many good teams. 
And so getting a one seed, I think, is going to be challenging, as I said. But a two seed is very reasonable. If you, if you think you, you know eight teams are getting a two seed, uh, at least a two or one seed, so we're not that far away being ranked number 12. And I think if you go out and you win the ACC tournament and you prove that you're the best regular season team in the ACC and ACC tournament team, we will – We'll be in contention for a one, but I don't think it necessarily matters whether it's a one or two. What's your opinion on that, Sam? You know, I I think you want that one. There's an aura that comes around with being a one seed, and I think that was really helpful last year. I think what you don't want to happen is what happened a couple of years ago where they ended up playing like it was Florida Gulf Coast who got in was egregiously seeded. They had only lost like one game and were the 12 seed or something like you don't want that. So you want to avoid the potential of that happening because it's very <laughs> yeah. clear that in women's basketball, they can't rank or seed anybody very well. So I think you want to avoid that as much as possible. Uh, as far as like the AP ranking, like doesn't really matter, right? Like they don't, they're not the tournament committee. They don't do the ACC standings. Like it, it's whatever. Right. I think though, there is that aura that comes along with the one seed that is is special for a program. Like to be a number one seed in back to back years is uh, absurd. Like even yeah. the best, like prime Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky in men's game, like didn't do that. I think like UConn women's does that stuff, and that's about it. Yeah, that's why I didn't actually think of it like that. I, I guess I was thinking more in terms of like the path because a path for a two or a one, like you're going to meet that other team in your region. So like the path is similar for both of those teams. And if you play the 15, you know, that's a, that's a pretty much a walkover. And so like, I, I just think like, if we can get to that, I'd be happy. I don't want to be, yeah. if I can avoid a three, that's what I'm trying to avoid basically. Yeah. But I mean, we saw last, we saw last year, right. When the tournament started, the first few teams they played, it was not much of a competition. No. So I, I don't like playing a 13 versus 14 seed or something like that. I, I don't think really matters if you show up and play your game and then you're going to have to beat them. Like you said, you're gonna have to beat them anyway on a neutral court. So um, that's, you know, that's whatever. I think if this team, if they play their game, they can go to another final four. Yeah. Like there's no question about it. They have mat their matchup nightmares all over the court. They have elite scores. They've gotten better at defense as the season goes on to the much, the chagrin of the North Carolina coach. They've gotten much <laughs> better on defense. So uh, I- I'm really excited about this. Yeah, it's it's hey, we're still hunting that natty, right? Like we want that team natty. We've got the club natties. We've got cow cattle judging or whatever it is, but we need that that team natty that is so elusive and people always talk about. So maybe the girls have it in them this year. Uh, unless you have anything left on the women's team, Dan, I wanted to ask you about wrestling. Didn't you go down and see uh, one of the matches this weekend? I went to both Friday went to at Moss okay. and then Saturday for Senior Day at, at Castle. Now, do you have a connection to to wrestling? You just like watching the sport or what? Well, I grew up a massive pro wrestling fan. Okay. And then as I got older, I kind of like – I had one of my um, best friends growing up. He was a stud at, uh, at in Virginia High School Wrestling. So I used to go watch that, and I was kind of a casual. And then I uh, like – thought Makai Lewis really got me into – wrestling and then one of our national champions <laughs> yeah yeah so like when i was starting you know ttd tales from the terror uh i needed to 
I feel like I needed to set myself apart from what everybody else was doing, so I started covering everything. And I got kind of tight with the wrestling team, and uh, so I just go support all the time. And I really do. It's a great, great thing to go watch if you ever get a chance to go. It's it's a hell of an environment. And that that Moss Arts picture was that they tweeted out was awesome. Like that that yeah. venue is just so cool and um mm-hmm. the, the view just looks incredible so what's better watching it there or in castle like when they do the castle Ooh, that's uh i don't know i feel like in castle i i'm not as afraid to yell as i am in moss <laughs> i got you moss feels pretty like upscale so i kind of just like <laughs> sit there but if i want to like let one fly in in castle i don't feel so bad about it but both uh for what they do with Moss being like their fundraising night where they, you know, it's the one night they charge. It's a, uh, it's awesome. Nice. They had it at the baseball field last year too. And that was really cool. Oh, I remember oh, yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it wasn't as cool as Moss arts. I think there's what they're able to do with the lights and all in there is pretty cool, but it was, it was kind of neat some outdoor wrestling. And they kicked butt against Duke on Friday night. How the I actually didn't even see what happened on Saturday. How'd that go, Dan? Mm. It ended an hour and a half. Jimmy <laughs> Mullen actually uh, beat his dude like twenty-one to six with like a minute and a half left in the first period. Like he just destroyed him the whole time. Um, That's awesome. So I'm, I know we brought him in for football, but I think we're going to lose him to wrestling because he, which is fine. He should. I mean, he should go wrestle. Like he's just. A stud. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm, the, I'm the glad The coolest they, part yeah, about Moss, though, was because it's Black History Month, and they honored a lot of um, people from, like, text past. And, that and like, they would, like, highlight, like, during matches, like, or in between matches, they would, like, show video packages, like, highlighting, like, certain individuals. And it was cool because Tech actually lost a wrestler in the early 2010s, I think. And he, I can't remember his name, but it was cool to see him honored and everything. They really did a good job. It was a great production. That's I'm glad I'm glad you got a chance to go to that, dude. That's awesome. Let's take a quick uh, beer break and ad break, and then we'll come back for some men's hoops and some questions for Dan. 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. You guys know and love Roback. It's the performance active wear that's designed for those that crave activity. It's the same polo company. That brought you the VT polos that you see all around Blacksburg when you go down. There's the maroon one with the orange Virginias, the white one with the maroon Virginias, the Commonwealth, which is their, I think that's the Q-Zip, you know, with the two-tone maroon on there. Very cool stuff, but all of their stuff is awesome. They have so many fun polos for the golf course, and it is getting to be springtime, and you're going to need those golf polos. So make sure you head over to Roback, load up your car, and use code 2DEEPVT for 20% off your order Yep, that's 2 deep VT. If you've already ordered from there because you've been listening to our podcast for a while, that's that can be unfortunate until you realize that you could use your work email or maybe you could use your wife's email or somebody else's email and get that 20% again. You can just make you can just make a new email. <laughs> that's right. You can make as many Gmails as you want. <laughs> so so hit up Roback and load up that car. Roback Crave Activity. For now, I need to know what you're drinking. Sam, what are you having over there? All right, well, I picked these up for the game last night, and uh, I picked up two, so we'll start with this one this week. It is from Smart Mouth Brewing Company, local here in Norfolk, Virginia. This is the Yeti Hugs, 
Hazy India Pale Ale. It has a really cool can. I don't know if, if you're on YouTube, you can see it. It's got like a nice smiling Yeti. I'm a big Yeti Bigfoot fan, so uh, <laughs> love that. Um, the beer itself is exactly what it sounds like. It's a hazy IPA. It's really drinkable. It's only 6% alcohol, so it's not as, uh, you know, it's much more easy drinking than some of your other IPAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just kind of a classic hazy IPA. If you like that, uh, you, you'll like this one. So support a local brewery. Smart, like, Smart Mouth doesn't, there's no beer they have that's going to like, knock your socks off be a five on untapped but everything they have is solid and really drinkable so uh, if you're in the norfolk area or if there's some at your local distributor pick up some smart mouth pretty good stuff very nice dan are you drinking anything with us tonight yeah so i do like craft beer i mean i love my bourbon i drink a lot of bourbon and ginger but uh you know sometimes when it comes to your run-of-the-mill everyday powerhouse domestic there's only one king baby and their name is Miller Lite. So, <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I had quite a few double bourbons this past weekend, so I mm-hmm. decided, you know, I was going to keep it chill with Miller Lite. I like it, dude. And and listen, if I'm drinking light beer, I don't really play favorites. If it's tailgate day, it's if it's Bud, it's Bud, it's Miller, whatever. It doesn't matter. But I respect the Miller Lite choice. Whenever we used to have Joe Lanza come on the podcast, he always drank PBR. Which is a sponsor of the Sons of Saturday podcast. So with a lime wedge. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Joe was a big uh I think they call that a redneck on vacation. When mm-hmm. you throw the lime into the into the PBR, that's what yep. that is. But yeah, he was a big fan of that. Uh, I am drinking the King of Clouds Hazy IPA. This is a three notched, which is that Charlottesville? Yep. Not, yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lion on there, kind of sitting in a throne. King of Clouds Hazy IPA, 7.5% alcohol, but it really doesn't drink like that. It's only got 10 IBUs, and I don't know if people are familiar with that or not, but IBUs essentially tell you how hoppy the beer is, more or less. And it is not hoppy. It drinks very light for being 7.5, like you probably wouldn't know. Uh, It's got more flavor than a session, so that might give you an idea, but it's pretty solid. And Three Notched makes many, many good beers. I mean, they they don't have too many ones that miss, so... I'm, I'm a fan of it. This was actually part of a mix pack. They had like the Minuteman was in there, um, the 40 something IPA, but all of them. There's a Sam Adams collaboration they actually did in that mix pack that I had yesterday. That was very, very good. But yeah, three notch comes correct. And uh, this one I, I like quite a bit. King of Clouds, hazy IPA. Let's talk men's hoops. This is not as fun. So we're going to do this. (laughs) We're going to do this a little bit more quickly. They are 13 and 10, five and seven in the conference and 11th in the ACC right now is where they sit. We just lost our third game in a row. This one coming at the hands of Notre Dame, a seven and 16 Notre Dame team going into that game. And even after beating us, they are still tied for last in the ACC with Georgia Tech and Louisville. And this is may I remind you after our guys had a week off. And so I'm not trying to, to rake our kids over the coals. I'm not trying to have a referendum on Mike young, like, uh, like they did on the key play last week uh, with Marcolini's article, which I always love what Marcolini writes. He caught a little flack for uh, calling into question Mike young, but I think after this season is over, a lot of people will be having that conversation among their friends, maybe not publicly, but what's going on here, Sam? Oh man. Well, I mean, as far as the Mike Young thing, he has three games under 500 in the ACC for his career. And that's, it's a wins loss business. Uh, There's a lot of 
extenuating circumstances around that record, considering he had like one player on the roster when he got here. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, I will say that whether we liked it or not, there was going to be a ton of roster turnover from this year to next year, right? You have Long, Couture, Barron. They're not playing. They're out of eligibility. So it's mm-hmm. three of your top six right there that are gone. Um, you, you know, transfer portal, we, Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech basketball in the transfer portal is tough. Like, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think they do need a bit of a roster refresh. I think, and Ed uh, talks, Ed Williams, who does the uh, Hokie Hoops podcast was on Saturday. We talked about this. As awesome as Sean Padula and Hunter Couture are, and how much they've meant to this program, they eat up a lot of minutes that other guards don't get playing time for. And so you end up having two players who are really tired by this point in the season and played a lot of minutes. And then you have no one to really come in for them. And this is the second straight year that that specifically has been a problem. So I think as well as the roster turnover, I think they probably need to reevaluate how they rotate players and how they build the roster because the way they've done it the last two years, it, it just hasn't worked for high-level ACC basketball. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it sucks because I thought this team was going to be pretty good. Like we wrote in our preview article – yeah, this was this team should win twenty plus games and make the tournament. Like they should be I, fun to watch and score a lot, and they just it hasn't worked. It, it just hasn't worked. The new pieces, and yeah, just one of those seasons. I'm not sure how much you you pay attention preseason or what, Dan. But what were your thoughts coming into the season, and has this been, um, like, can you pinpoint what's been going wrong? Did you did you think like, oh, Mike Young will just get it right at some point? Like, what what were your thoughts on the team? I mean, how honest are we being? You can be honest, as honest <laughs> as you want, man. Oh uh, no, I, I don't. It's not really. I don't really have uh, too much. I mean, a lot of. I don't think he should be fired. Uh, but like, I mean, I, he got dealt a rough hand with the whole um, Rodney Rice thing. Happened the timing so of that was not good. But at yeah. the same time, I feel like maybe it might be time to look at the roster and uh, change up maybe who they recruit. <laughs> just, I'm not, I'm not saying, here, just go huh? look at B fish. Just go look at B fish's Twitter. Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, Not, not, not necessarily that, but I feel like, uh, I don't know if you would have taken a more athletic group and put them around the long range assassin. That is Hunter Couture. They probably would have had way more success. Uh, Mike Young's X's and O's are very good. I think he's a hell of a, a coach as far as that goes, but the Jimmys and Joes might need to change a little more than the X's and O's. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I said multiple times a similar thing that just we need to get more athletic. I was a little – as soon as Rice left, I was like, I am worried about how athletic we are. I saw it – I think it was last year against NC State, and NC State wasn't even like a great team. But they had athletes, and they just took us up and down the court, and it was brutal. And it, that my mind ha- didn't change bringing in Tyler Nickel, Makai Long. I had some hope that that he would be a bigger contributor. Um, seems like a great kid. I, I just thought we might get a little bit more out of him. Beeren has come on as of late, and he actually has been better. Uh, Poteet played okay against Notre Dame. Beeren continued to play hit decent against Notre Dame. Padula though. 
he's he's been in a little bit of a slump. He's four of twelve this past game. MJ Collins was one of six. Hunter had eighteen points, but just four of eleven from three. Like he missed seven threes. Which look, that's just under forty percent. It's not bad, but like. Eh, I don't know when, when everyone else is struggling to shoot the ball, you you're hoping Hunter can, can bring you a little bit more. So it collectively, the team just, they're just not very good. I don't think it's any more, there's not that much more scientific to it than that. And yeah, I, I don't want to oh, go on, go on, Dan. Go so on. I was just saying like, you know, people make the, the joke, the team's really pasty, but <laughs> I, I mean like Cooper flag is nasty. He's going to Duke and he's, it has nothing to do with him being white or whatever. I'm like, I feel like if Lynn Kidd had Poteet's rim protection skills, he would be ridiculous. Yeah, because he's yeah. athletic. He's like we need athletes like that. But like I don't, I don't know where I'm, I don't get paid to make those decisions. So I don't know where exactly that. I feel like Mike Young just needs to tweak some things in his recruiting philosophy. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he already plans on it. We don't know. Right. I mean, and maybe what brought, he f- they've, they've recruited athletes, right? Like Rodney Rice. Like mm-hmm. a spark plug athlete, Joe Bamisil. Yep. I mean, he is rocking and rolling at VCU right now. His fourth um, or fifth school? <laughs> four, four, okay, four. four. <laughs> Found it. Hey, it all take it takes takes all of us some time to to get back. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> you know, Darius Maddox had a little bit of bounce to him. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. really play defense, and he's doing uh, okay at George Mason. Um, Buchanan, who's playing at George Washington, he was a guy, big guy with bounce, and it's like he's bringing them into the program. They're just not sticking, and it's yeah. they yeah. got to find a way to keep these guys because they got a couple recruit. Like Jaden Young is a guy who he he's maybe not a freak athlete, but he's got a little bit of something to him. And then they're bringing in this kid from Florida, who a bunch of big programs are after, and he is a rim protector, can stretch the floor. Like he's the exact kind of player they need. You got to hang on to him and you got to use him. I mean, it doesn't help if he's on the bench. Yeah, um, I don't think the the level of the recruits that he is recruiting or even signing they just is don't the get problem. on the court. It's it's retaining them. Yes, it's getting them on the court early, getting them some exposure, and then making sure they want to stick around it. And like whether it's me and you talking to Ed or Billy, like you know whatever. Like we've all talked to like the basketball guys, and and Ed is he's the number one defender of of the program and Mike, and I do really appreciate that. But uh. You know, there's a problem with retention here, and I don't know why that is. And some of it, Ed has said, like, listen, he, the people they come in, they see Padula and Hunter that are like staked out in these two guard roles for the next five years, and they, you know, they maybe they got scared off. Maybe Rice said, like, oh, my playing time's not going to be what it is. Like, I'm out. That happens. But at some point or another, like, there should be a culture that, hey, you can beat them out. You just have to stick stick around and work on your game and maybe you'll get on the court in front of them. And like that's what you're hoping for. Every time we bring in a top 50 guy like a Roddy Rice, like you're hoping they beat out everyone that's on the roster and get on the court right away. And maybe they're just not the right fit for tech. Maybe they're not that good as their recruiting ranking. I don't know what the reason is. But regardless, we can't have guys come in and go out right out the door as four stars and expect to be good. Like you just it's yeah. it's very hard to do that. You need to develop. It's like the opposite of what the women's program is doing. Yeah. Like Shaq came in as highly recruited as a freshman. Brooks even said, I think it was after, maybe it was after the NC State game. I forget which after game it was recently where he said, he was like, yeah, we were going to redshirt her and she was just too good. So we were, had her fight for playing time. She earned it. And now late in the season, she's out there making plays. 
that's what you want in your, to be an elite program. That's what good programs do. And I just think for some reason, tech, the, the men's program has struggled with bringing guys into the program and getting them on the court. It seems to be, you know, there seems to be something wrong with how they're developing these recruits because yeah. the only guys that have really stuck are the, the first few guys that he got in the building. Yeah, and he he had recruited Hunter at Wofford, and then mm-hmm. he followed him here. Correct. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about. Uh, um, I think I lost it, but yeah, the the we're sixty two in the net. Is there a chance that we could go on a run? And and no, we're not doing that, Sam. <laughs> no, I mean, there's there's mathematically, there, I don't think there is. They don't have enough big games left. They have a bad loss now. Um, yeah, that that Notre Dame loss was quad bad. one. And I understand like 10 quad one games is a lot, but it's like the um, old Daniel Tosh sketch where he was like making fun of people who said they were bad test takers. Like, oh, you just don't know information. Like when you lose to the good teams, that probably means that you're not worthy of playing for a national title, right? right? Like, (laughs) so that's, it's, I think they're a bit unfortunate with the roster this year. Um, I think they have a high ceiling, obviously. Like Iowa State and Boise State are very good teams. Clemson is playing better now. But the floor is um, – it's kind of an unacceptably low floor for year five. And we've just never quite figured it out. Like there was a point when we won that, our ACC championship a couple of years back. Before that ACC title run that was – people can call it fluky, whatever they want to call it. We were playing really well leading up to that. And that team found a chemistry and we were, I was kind of waiting for that. And for whatever reason, it just has not, has not come this year. We have UNC on the road as a quad one coming up. That might not be pretty. And then we have Pitt away. That's also a quad one opportunity, but it, it's, well, we need miracle to go to the tournament. Go ahead, Dan. I don't know if, is the talent on the bench just not good enough? Or does Mike Young just not trust them? Because you brought up, Carolina, if you've watched how Hubert Davis has done it the past couple of years, he was he was running like Caleb and RJ like 38 minutes a game, and they weren't winning games. And then it was like this year he finally started to like play some bench players, and I think he's running like eight or nine kids, and they look a lot better than they have. They're still inconsistent, but they look better. Yeah, and obviously there's a different pool of talent that UNC yeah, is working that's with. that's absolutely ha- true. However, I do agree with you and have felt that – at times we don't play enough guys. I, I do. I have felt that way. And when you have, when your backup point guard, because Rodney Rice left your backup true point is a freshman in, in Rex Steiner, um, who is going to probably be good, but you know, it's one of these things we've seen Mike Young again and again, he doesn't want to rely so much on freshmen, even Sean Padula as a freshman, he showed flashes. He didn't play a whole lot like it until later in the season. And so I, I don't know, but I think there will be a reevaluation into their recruiting philosophy and how they, they, they handle things in the building to retain. And we can talk about NIL cause that's a part of this and resources are a part of this. And that's something that, that Ed will also always point out is that the resources that we're c- currently putting towards football and triumph and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's not really happening. The women's program is, is sourced, significantly better than the men's in terms of like a, a national scale. And so that some things might have to change there. 
And that's something when Buzz Williams was here, um, he demanded a lot from the administration in terms of resources. I think that that's pretty well known and uh, it's out there if you want to go find it. But that's maybe maybe that needs to happen. I mean, if you think about it in the landscape of NIL, can you name somebody on the men's team other than Hunter Couture that has has the level of personality that Georgia and Liz have to be out there in the community, like getting these NIL deals and getting some money? Other than Hunter, no, probably not right now. But if they played better, we th- that changes, you know. <laughs> oh, like also <laughs> true. <Yeah. laughs> have they just tried playing better? <laughs> well, I think <laughs> now, like you're at the well, point now where and I don't know if this is right, but I think the reality with NIL is like you don't have to have a good personality if you can if you're wet from three. Also you know? true. Like. Because you, you don't, don't need to have a podcast like to 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 warrant nil. Like the girls are great because they have a podcast to show that personality, but you don't necessarily need that, right? And it's the reality right. of the economics of men's basketball and football. Like people will pay for performance. I don't think they're they're not going to do that for other sports. Like a men's soccer player, we're not paying a men's soccer player to come to Virginia Tech. Like it's just not right. happening, right? So I I think I understand the nil conversation, and. Yes, I think tech probably is lagging behind in basketball, especially compared to what they're doing in football, which is clearly the main focus right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly. At the same time, like it's not like you're losing recruits to big time schools, right? right? Like you're losing to George Mason and George Washington and stuff. And you know, how much you, you don't need you don't need to pay Sean Padula to, you know, have him play more under control. You develop True. that, you coach yes. that. So yeah. it's, I understand the NIL conversation and that's very good, but I think it is also a separate conversation to how the team is playing right now and the talent that's on the roster. Yeah. they. they if you were going to play the young guys, now would be the time, right? See what you got. <laughs> it would, it would certainly seem, and I mean, the way to put a shot across the bow to some of the older guys, like, listen, man, this was, it wasn't pretty last week. Let's try something else. Well, yep. Yep. anyway, let's move on to something Let's let's have some fun with Dan here. I wanted to pick your brain about your show, Tales of the Terror Dome, your VT fandom, and just some random stuff as well. And you've been hosting Tales from the Terror Dome. I think you called it TF. Do you, do you use the F or is it just TTT? No, nah, like, I just you... usually do TTD to keep okay. it keep it simple. Okay, you've been doing that for about three years. And when you started podcasting, I believe your show had a different name and maybe an additional host. Is that correct? <laughs> It did. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Tales from the transfer portal. Okay. And how did, like, what was the, like, were you just trying to interview just people all around the country, just Virginia kids? Like how, what were you thinking? So yeah, originally it was kind of like, it's going to be, you know, tech leaning, but you know, I was going to try to capture the whole landscape of college sports really. Um, and it started to do okay. And then I interviewed, Rashid Ali, who was a massive running back yep. in college football, and that episode did awful. And I was like, <laughs> "Shh, damn!" I was like, <laughs> "Okay." I was like, "So nobody, people just want to hear about tech." And then I went to what was it? it was before Boston College, twenty twenty two, home opener. I was sitting at the bar and I was talking to Jeremy Counts and Bill Roth and a couple of people, oh, and they were funny. like you know, maybe you should think about changing the name. And I was like, 
then three weeks later, I think it was Tales from the Teardome. Because I was like, you know what? I'm just going to lean in completely on just tech. Like, occasionally, I'll still, like, you know, I had a – like, I was bringing on, like, no context college football, like, all these people like that. And it just – I mean, it did okay, but nothing like the numbers when it was, like, a tech guest or old former tech athlete. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And you so and you had a co-host and was it Joe Rogers the the, the video game uh, running back from our yeah. national championship run was it, your co-host and it was what a, what a niche like community we've created here that was that a one, funny time <laughs> a podcast named after that one time another podcaster played a video game during lockdown. yeah so like the thing was I would be in Blacksburg. You know, networking, shaking hands, kissing babies. And I'm going to say it because Joe knows it. I'd be out there fighting the good fight, and he'd be on Twitter throwing grenades. And I would be like, dude, what are you doing? And then eventually, I guess he just found a spot with Vito and Drift, and uh, I went solo. And I think it's worked out for both of us. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe is currently a member of VT4L over on mm-hmm. another Virginia Tech podcast feed that kind of started as a culture podcast with Don V Fridays, and they've mm-hmm. transitioned into going going tech. People want to hear about tech. That's just how it is. And uh, obviously, your your switchover has has been great for you. And Teradome, it's a good name. I love the name of the pod. And you essentially do all interviews because because you are a one-man show like anytime you bring someone on it's it's more or less an interview some of them are more conversational like when me or grayson are on there you know we're kind of just having a back and forth but you talk to a lot of real guests as in players and coaches and whatnot of the staff members of our football staff you've gotten to meet uh what were your impressions of like when they came in did you sense after the fuente years and you see pride come in and they retain jc and all that did you sense that we had something good here with this coaching staff? Well, so we hired Pry, and I didn't really know who he was. And then I like, you know, obviously you do your Googles. And then what really impressed me was he immediately showed up on the drill field to throw snowballs. And I was like, okay, he's different than what we've been rolling with. <laughs> uh, I thought that was great. Um, he's a PR master but not because it's not because he's finessing us but because it's actually like what he believes in and who he is and at uh, i work in northern virginia and i get a lot of penn state people that come through and they would always be like oh you're a hokey fan i know brent pry used to be my neighbor he helped us shovel the snow (laughs) oh yeah we've drank you know gray goose with brent pry like we've done this we've done that like just gushing about this man and then obviously you've seen the press conferences and just the conversations I've had with the staff, I've never felt like one way or another, you know, they jerked me around. Like they've always been very real and straightforward, which is what I, what I want So that's how I operate. So that's how I want to be operated with, you know, you have something, Sam, or I, I, think- no, I was, I was just, no, my only thought was it, it does seem to be the perfect amount of used car salesman that it takes to be a college football head coach. Like you need to put, there needs to be a certain amount of um, act and persona going on to do this ridiculous job that they're asked to do. And he, he really has started to figure out how to balance the two really, really well and how to be the fundraiser, the rah-rah guy, but then also 
is starting to figure out the X's and O's, starting to figure out the roster. And I think, you know, when he first got here, it was all the connect with fans, fundraising, rah, rah. And I don't know if they were totally X's and O's ready for his first season and roster wise ready. And then started to figure it out last season. And maybe that Marshall game, like maybe in a few years, we'll look back and be like, that was the kick in the pants that had them all figure it out because it does seem like they're That's really comfortable being the Virginia tech coaching staff. They're very comfortable representing the university. Now they seem to have figured out the, those levels really well. That is something I, if I could ever interview Pry, like that would be at the top of my list is like, what happened between Marshall and Pitt? I want to know, like, did you go into the coaching room and just raise hell? Did you just say, guys, we're close, like, just keep doing what we're doing, trust the process, whatever. I just want to know, like, what happened in that week to figure out how our team changed so much. And maybe, I mean, we've talked to a couple of the players on the national championship stream, uh, Sam, and like, they were kind of like, now we just kept doing us. But like, I want to, I want to kind of get a little bit more truth to like what went on that week. <laughs> Yeah, do us but better. <laughs> and that, it kind of seems like what it was, and they they did just kind of figure stuff out. And like Dan, like you said, they they have a level of honesty to them that is really refreshing. Almost you don't get that a lot in sports, and so I I think you know everything from Brent Pry coming in, and you know, like I said, I don't think they really understood the roster limitations until they started playing games last season, but. I give him a lot of credit. Not a lot of coaches would do it. He got in front of that podium and said, we don't have enough good players. And, you know, he said it all season. He said it this off season. He said it at the beginning of this season, he said, you know, we, we just, we aren't at the level talent wise that we need to be at as a program to compete for championships. And so I, I give him a lot of credit for that. Not a lot of coaches would have said that. Yeah. He would be more forthright in some of the, the press conferences. Like, like uh, we were too vanilla or like he would be critical of the, the offense after, after games in that first year and stuff. Uh, I did want to follow up with you, Dan, on the, on the football staff, because I just was curious, how did you kind of first make contact with some of those guys? Was it just like sitting at the bar at PKs and they roll in or was it like you knew someone who knew someone? Like, how did you start chatting with, with some of our coaches? Uh, I feel like, yeah, mainly it was just being in, the right bar stool uh basically like uh i'm trying to like travis wells helped me out a lot the new sid he um he's very good about you know helping us the podcast community you know get interviews and stuff and uh i connected with cheetah and then i interviewed cheetah and then i saw cheetah after it's like a basketball game last winter like it really started to pick up, and then I saw them at PKs, and he like motioned me over, so they like introduced me to everybody. Oh, that's awesome! And then I was like, okay, cool, thank, good to meet you. I'm Dan, love y'all. I'm gonna go back. He was like, nah, you gotta stay. He's like, talk, and I was like, all right, cool. So then you know, just networked the room and like hung out and had beers with like Pry and JC and all them, and now I just run into them all, and it's just like they're familiar, so it's you know. Like that's their bar. Like I mean, you go in there. Like that's where all the the whole AD athletic department goes to the PK. So basically, just like being around, you know, mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to have to introduce myself less, which is a weird feeling. Uh, but 
yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it was definitely uh, peak like just being around town, like showing my face, like being at everything. So. You, with all those interviews that you've done, and I don't know how many episodes it is now, but you Over you pretty 100, much yeah. record like every week. Is that right? Is it just about yeah, every week? I put out every week. Okay. So you've had a lot of different guests. Was there a guest that like surprised you? Like someone that you went into the interview thinking one thing and then the interview ends and you're like, wow, I, I wasn't familiar with your game. <laughs> like was there someone that surprised you after you interviewed him? Honestly, Caleb Smith. I did the Caleb Smith interview and it went crazy. Like they talked, they asked him about it at ACC Media Day. Like I did not think he would have been the one that would have like blown the doors off, but uh, like he did. Uh, I've had some. Who else? I did all women last year for Women's History Month, and I kind of I'm hoping to be able to do that again this oh, year. That's cool. But uh, she wasn't an athlete of tech, but Katie Adams was really was mm-hmm. really fun like uh-huh. she was she was a good conversation tsl katie uh, adams yeah she was great um taylor soul she was she was awesome uh kiana trailer had her on kt uh yeah man it's just oh cornell brown like i figured he would be but like all those older dudes talk man like they just they, <laughs> they got just, a lot like, of things to say got a lot of yeah. stories and I'm cool with that because it makes it my job easy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually I was listening. You've had a couple of really good interviews already in 2024. You had Mitch Gerber. You had mm. Colby Crawford and Mario Kendricks this year already. Yeah. And I was and I listen to your show like pretty often. I don't I don't hit every interview, but I listen to most of them. And that Mitch Gerber episode was awesome. Like I really that guy. You know, we joke about like Pry gets it. That guy gets it, man. That yeah. that that guy. I was surprised because you know I I've only seen him on the Triumph stream of him doing an interview here or there, which is cool in its own right, and he's good at it. But like he's doing work for Triumph. Like he's that's like he said that's like one percent of his job is doing the on air kind of stuff, and the rest of it is plugging away behind the scenes. And he just seems hyper focused on on making tech really good. And so I that was a very good interview and you asked him, you asked him good questions. And so that surprised me It's in terms of, of listening to you. But like, I remember when you had Allie Jennings on, that was a great interview. That was yeah, one of I my had a favorites. Lot of fun. Uh, Cause he's, he's so well-spoken. And that's one thing I I'm impressed. Like Colby Crawford was one too. Like he's a young kid. He's probably got, he's been midway through college and his interview, like his responses were so good and smart and poignant. And it was, I was impressed. Like you don't, some of these people have like real talent. I guess that, you know, he's in media and that's what he wants to do, but uh, it's cool to just, that's what I like about your show. You kind of have this style that is, it's different than ours. I, I'm very matter of fact and, and take, I do like, you know, takes here and there opinions on what I think is going on at tech and then inform. And you definitely inform, but you also make a point to, ask people like about them as the person and what they do and and what makes them tick. And I think like you almost, it's almost like a talk show. Do you kind of feel that way about your own show? Like, do you have like a style that you kind of, you're trying to mimic or anything like that? Nah, I feel like I've really just kind of, okay. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, I can't believe I'm one of your three, but like, it's, I don't know. It's just, I try to keep it light. Uh, try to keep it comfortable. Cause I mean, some of these people like, Mario Kendricks, for example, like he's about to go through a whole lot of interviews with people he does not know. 
You know what I'm saying? So I feel like at at the very least, it's good practice for some of them to get on a microphone and, and uh, no talk about themselves. And I think uh, we're in an era where people want to know the athlete, not just necessarily like that they're an athlete, you know? And a lot of them have great interests. Like Ollie Jennings could have talked to me about fashion for two hours if he wanted to. Like the dude, he just loves like that stuff. And um, it's just it's, you can kind of catch it. Like when people like really like fire up about, so like you can just see the see him perk up. And uh, it's it's awesome. I don't really. I kind of resonated uh, Shannon Sharp when he was talking about Club Shay Shay in the Cat Williams interview where he was like, I'm not like this media journalist. Like, I'm not saying I'm an entertainer, but if you're looking for like the, you know, the real in-depth like X's and O's, like go like Boundary Corner is probably your spot. Like they're really good at what they do uh, or like go watch Tech Sideline or or something like that where it's like true journalism, in my opinion. Whereas I'm just like, uh, what I'm just going to ask you questions and I'm just going to take what you say as the as the truth. Yeah, and it and it works it works really well, and you are you're sharp with it, man. And that's uh, I'm not I'm not trying to gas you up too much. I'm just saying I I, <laughs> I enjoy the show, and uh, you got you got to. Dan's just like keep it coming, man. Yeah, keep it yeah, coming. Yeah. No, I mean he's our guest. We got to treat him right. Uh, Bill, Bill Roth told me I asked great questions and I was like, I'd never need another compliment in my life. Dude. I was so, so excited when we had Bill Roth on for the natty. Like I, he was that, awesome. That was a high quality interview. And I actually, that leads me to my next question for both of you guys. I want you to answer this. What would be the ultimate interview for you of any, like, and let's go with people who are living, not anyone dead. So right. someone who's alive today and uh, it can be, it can be football related, hockey related or not. And if you have, two different ones because of that you can do that but um dan give me give me one of your like ultimate interview choices marcus vick <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one you going hokey related that one's that would be interesting yeah marcus vick i feel like he has a lot to say <laughs> for dan, sure dan dan you you know how to get clicks i'll tell you that <laughs> that's right <laughs> uh i'll go i'll go to um Hokey wise, I think uh, one of the star players we don't really hear from. Like, I feel like nobody has heard from Brian Randall. Or like, you know, guys like that, like Eric Green, Macho Harris. Macho Harris was on the Suns. He was really good. I think some of those guys kind of get forgotten a little bit. And you try to bring back as many players as you can and like remember those guys, but there's just like those, some of those teams are so stacked that some of them just kind of like fans have forgotten about them. So I think they weren't around in the age with all of the social media and all the media access that is, that is now too. So it has, it has changed. Yeah. Or like Lee Suggs. Yeah. Like that, like, yeah, you know, like stuff like that, that, we, we haven't had in the age of Virginia tech podcasting, no one has really talked to them, but if you were to ask any Virginia tech fan over, you know, over like 25, who has been a fan their whole life, like they know who Lee Suggs is. Mm-hmm. He's the guy. Um, You're right. I don't think I've not, ever seen Lee Suggs in an interview. Like I, I can't, no, I, I haven't either. Um, non VT, like Jeremy Wade. Um, okay. If you don't know who Jeremy Wade is, he's um, I'm not sure fisherman. that I do. <laughs> he's he's British and he fishes and he's awesome. That's all. You okay. Know. Okay. Dan, do you have like a someone outside the hooky sphere that you would want to interview? Yeah, 
a thousand and don't balk me because it's legitimately all about their sports knowledge. But Kay Adams or Joy Taylor? I oh, think Kay Adams is great, man. I love yeah. Kay Adams. <laughs> I think it would just be through the roof. All, like the energy, well, the yeah. Would be if you had it on video, yeah. people would watch for Kay Adams for sure. Yeah, I would do video for her. <laughs> I yeah, was cause... I was super ready for like Sydney Sweeney or <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't even actually think something. about that aspect. If you're looking for clicks. Bring on a beautiful woman. That would. That well, would. I don't know how good Sydney Sweeney would. I mean, I'm sure she's entertaining. Like, I'm sure she's interesting. Dude, she was on Hot Ones. It had a million views in 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I no, I know, but I meant like the level of uh, the, the Hot Ones was great. Yeah. Uh, she she handled those wings really well, actually. I do enjoy that show. But uh, speaking of like, I had Darren Evans on, and that was rewarding because okay. oh, cool. nobody had heard from Darren. It was hard to find. And then it was just great to hear from him. And I think he like really appreciated like being back on the scene. And I got him hooked up with Dwight a little bit. And they were able to get him back on the alumni email base and stuff. So oh, sweet. Dude, that's yeah. that's awesome. I but yeah, no, I mean, go maybe, ahead. Maybe the best performance in tech football history. Mm-hmm. No, it, so 200. What was the yardage total? 250. Was it 252? Yeah. Yeah. And that was. Only one touchdown, which I don't know how he ran for 252 yards and only scored <laughs> one touchdown. He didn't have that breakaway speed, but boy, could he bring it in the hole. That's for sure. Oh. Uh, for me, I feel like Frank is obviously an easy choice from the Hokie sphere oh, yeah. aspect. I know Billy and Pat got to interview Frank uh, a few years back. Uh, Pry, I'd love to interview. But from just college football royalty like Nick Saban, I would love to interview. That, that sure, would be, be great. At, at the top of my list. And he's going to be so good on college game day. Oh, he's going to be so good. Amazing. Herbie, Fowler, and Reese Davis. Like those are like Reese Davis is like one of my idols. Like I, I, I love his balance of takes and delivering the information. I think he does that really well. Uh, Fowler is a freaking legend, and I've always just enjoyed what he does. And Herbie is is still at the top of of the broadcasting industry. So I kind of went broadcasters and coaches, but uh, I don't know. Like, there's musical artists and stuff like that. Like Billy Joel would be a cool interview. Like there, you know, I don't know. I'm a huge, I'm a big Billy Joel guy, but like, I don't know. There's, there's a million people you could choose, but from, if I'm sticking with college football, like Saban would be pretty, pretty legit. Um, all right. Well, regardless, Sam, you do a nice job with the show and you do uh, always hit me up or like, let me know where you're at. If, if we're both going to be down in Blacksburg or something. And even if we're in JMU, Cause me and you actually hit up the McAfee show during that. We did during that weekend. And that was fun, man. I was on my way to Blacksburg at the time. We hung out for a few hours and you're always like, I think it was with Mitch. You were like, Hey Mitch, I have an idea for you. And it was um, like a college game day for Virginia tech, like basically getting a, a desk and a table. That's Virginia tech people that you would interview on game day. And like, that is similar to what we did with our spring game preview panel last year, where we had mm-hmm. a table of hokey podcasters and uh, journalists. So uh, uh, amateur journalists, I'll say whatever you want to call us. And it was a blast and we plan on doing it again. And I know Billy Ray is working out some of the final details on our bar and our location. And I'm going to connect with him this week and make sure we get those set up. But I definitely want to get the word out as soon as possible that, you know, Dan's going to be joining us again. Sam will be down there for the spring game and we're going to do the preview panel yet again at a local bar in Blacksburg. And I cannot wait for that. It'll be probably like 11 AM the day of the game. Dan, you going to be ready for that? Oh, always ready. 
I love it, dude. Yeah. And hopefully I, I feel, I would feel bad not inviting everyone back, but I do want to get some, some different voices in there too, like mix it up a little bit. And maybe, maybe we could have a conversation about format and, and how we should do it this year, but, uh, but it will be a blast and that's just going to be a little taste. And maybe we could keep doing that for more games down the line or something. Yeah, that'd be cool. But I think that's going to about do it. Do you guys have anything else you want to, you want to talk about? Because we're about an hour 20 in and I think we can call it. Yeah, the only thing I'll say is I'll plug the website. We have our, our first softball recap article is going to go up tomorrow night. Uh, baseball preview, we're putting the finishing touches on. They start play this weekend. Uh, softball team looks like a unit. Uh, they look really good. Baseball team is going to be a lot of fun. They have some question marks and they have a really tough schedule, but they have a lot of really good players as well. So excited for both of those teams. And we're going to start spring football coverage on the website here pretty soon. So sonsofsaturday.com slash VT. That's the spot. Well, Dan, what do you got to plug over there? Tell tell people where they can find you. <laughs> well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at visionary underscore season, S-Z-N. Uh, you can go to the swvashop.com and click on the Teradome collection and get you some Teradome merch if you so choose. Make sure you go see my guys at Benny's down there on Draper in downtown Blacksburg. Get yourself a big slice. You know, that's always fun. You know, you hit tots, you circle back around at 1.30, <laughs> get yourself a slice, go home, you know, make it a good night uh, right. or however you choose to do it. But, yeah, shout out softball. They got hosed. That rule is crazy. But um, there, gonna, there's I, a reason for the rule. I understand people don't like it, but like, that's yeah. I thought you said they got hose. <laughs> no, they got hose. No, no, no. No, I, I, I got, I correct. Yeah, like it, it hit me a second later. I was like, damn. <laughs> uh, no, that's funny, man. But yeah, Diamond Sports firing up. I'm ready for that too. Make sure you hit up Two Deep on Twitter. It's at Two Deep and also at Two Deep BT on Instagram trying to get our Instagram numbers up as we head into season number 10. Thank you guys both for joining me tonight. And that's a wrap. Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.